0: Likote Sichas, Chelik Yudalit. that's volume 14, the third Sicha for Parsha Nitzavim. This Sicha is not that long and we'll attempt to learn it inside as much as possible. in The original text. This is a Rashi Sicha. However, it's not one of those common Rashi Sichas that go back and forth on the detail, uh, asking questions, answering, and then coming to a conclusion. Rather, this is more of a Sicha that bases the facts on the what Rashi does not say, And derives from that, that what he doesn't say is because it's so obvious and it's so logical. And the Rebbe gives us a very, very interesting explanation. And also the promise and the fact that every Yid gets the blessing from Hashem. Let's begin. On the Pasuk, Hashem says, It shall be, it shall come to pass. When all these things come upon you, both the blessing and the curse, you will take to heart the Shama, amongst all the nations that Hashem banished you there. V'Shafta Adashem, Hashem you will return to Hashem, your God, etc. With all your heart and with all your soul. From the Entire from the content of the parsha, it's understood, and the hemshich and the continuation of the parsha, it's understood. That what is the objective in all these psukim? That at the end of everything, Yashuv kol Hashem. That every single yid will return with a complete shuvah to Hashem. Haynu, meaning Hashem that even somebody who perhaps transgressed and went away from the ways of Hashem, etc. That through this, that everything will come upon him. Quote, all these things, in ending with the curse, end of quote, This will awaken him to take the heart, the, what you know what's happening until he will reach the point of le quote to the point of returning to Hashem's God. omnam however and according to this we need to understand Masha what is, what's is written here in the Pasuk the original Pasuk we quoted ha-bracha, that Moshe says to them it shall come to pass it shall be, when all these things come upon you, what are those things? He doesn't only say the curse; he also says first the blessing. And the Reb explains the question: It would work out well if you say something which is the opposite of good. Who you know comes upon them? Who them? This causes you know the breaking, the crushing of the heart of the person's spirit. Who move on? It's understood. That this is a a reason, this is a cause, this is a catalyst to get somebody to be awakened with tshuva. Avol, however, how does one become awakened, become aroused to do tshuva through getting the blessings? In other words, how do blessings lead a one to to do tshuva? And now, since this is also a question, a question, which which is a question according to Pshut Mikra when we learned the basic Pshat in the pasuk, he ate in the So here is even another question. Not only the general question: How does a bracha bring one to do tshuva? But another question: Madua ain't shum why is there no, absolutely no question, no hint even, not only no question, no hint of any question and any answer on this question, any explanation in Rashi. The Rashi's thing is to explain and to clarify anything, everything and anything that requires a deeper, a better explanation, a better clarification according to Peshut Shemikra. Therefore, this leads us to a conclusion. Therefore, you must say that this itself is proof. The fact that Rashi doesn't say anything, that in itself is proof. That according to Psutisha Mikra, there is no question at all, even to begin with. There's no question. There's no question. For sure, we cannot explain that these pasuk, these psukim, are speaking about the future. Divri hasidis means, you know, a, a prediction or, or, or a, a prophecy for the future. nevu in a, in a matter of prophecy. We cannot say, we cannot suggest that. From all the events that are going to happen on the Yidin. And that therefore, you one would maybe perhaps suggest that this is the reason why it says bracha, because it's not telling you this will happen if this is not done or if you don't go in Hashem's way. Rather, it's just telling us what the future holds. That Moesha is telling them, listen, there will be blessings, there will be curses. You cannot say that. Okay? Because the truth is, kikain yiyah, this, in truth, this will be. The first will come the blessings. Vehoya, and it actually was, as we already know. In hindsight, we know the history of the Yidden as they arrived in Eretz and so on. In the order and in in, of the events that happened to the Yidden as they came to Eretz that the early days, will be days of blessing and good for the Eden and after time, when they're going to sin, then will fall upon them, the opposite of good. You cannot argue that this is what the objective of these Psukim are. Why? Aleph, number one, the any talk about the future, about Moshe telling the Yidin what the future holds, the prophecy, the prediction of the future—that's in the next parsha, in Parshas Vayelach. That's number one. And number two, in those very psukim, further on, meaning there in Parshas Vayelech, in which. That is the actual place in where the future is discussed and is being related to the Jews. There, there there is actually no mention of the blessing and the good. There, Moshe says, listen, I know you're going to sin one day. I know you're going to, you know, corrupt your ways. And I know that bad is going to befall upon you. So that cannot be the argument here. In other words, here it cannot be talking about the future because if it is, then why is it mentioned blessing here and not there? and I would say this is like the third um, so to speak the third answer to to to, um, to uh, shoot down to smack down this attempt of an answer that is speaking about the future of and besides logic rationale gives that the good, That will come in the future, and the Rebbe underscores the word "future" is not something that's retroactively discussed, meaning it's not told in advance that the good will come. Why not? The hatam and the reason: because this is something which is contingent on a person's bechira, on a person's choice. Like, 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 it's explained in the end of the parsha. That Hashem says, see, Moshe says, see, I gave before you the, the, the good, the bad, I gave before you life, and you should choose life. And so too, likewise, in the beginning of parsha, Sirei, where over there it says, see, I put before you the good and the bad, and the Rebbe puts in the parentheses, the student, the student means the the legendary student of of of, of the Pshut He already had learned it that what it says there quote, "Esabrocha Asher Tishmu," that the blessing will come when or because you listen to Hashem. The Haklola and God forbid the curse imloisishmu if you don't listen to Hashem. So you can't say that the blessing is something that can be predicted in advance or prophesied about in advance. Why? Because the, bl- the bracha, the blessing is contingent on how the people will behave and how they will choose if they will choose to receive the bracha by means of doing the right thing. Moreover, in Parshish Vayelech itself, what does Moshe tell the Eden What does he tell them? He says, I know that you guys are all rebels. And, and he finishes off there saying, that I know that you're going to corrupt your ways and you're going to do what's wrong. And then bad's going to be fall upon you. And that's why this actually is why Moshe says he is so certain that the people will stand up and go against Hashem. So you can't say that this is a, ma- a means of prophecy and according to all this according to all these questions we just stated it's understood in our matter that it's not the objective of the psukim to tell us what the future holds Ella rather what are the psukim telling us that they come to actually uh to 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 serve as testimony Ula and to announce to them, to tell the Yidden, to make it known to them. Shebeim, and the Rebbe stresses the word beim. If lo yelchu bnei if the Yidden will not go by their own bad choice, vedarche Hashem in the ways of Hashem, and that which because of which will Chas come upon them, the very not good things through this itself, through the fact that the bad things will come upon them, they're going to awaken to come and do full tshuva to Hashem. So the Rebbe basically concludes that we can't say this is a prophecy of the future, rather really it's a warning, it's telling them, listen, if you're not going to go in Hashem's way, then the Klala will come upon you. And Chas Visholem, it's going to be so bad that it's going to be so crushing that you are going to be awakened to do tshuva. You're going to be humbled and you're going to do chuva. Avel, im Kain, if so, hadra kusha al The above mentioned question, it's a, it's an expression. It's a Tamurukha expression. It goes back to its place. That means the question is, is, the question is right back to where we began. What exactly is the role of blessing in the awakening of tshuva? Again, we made the point before, and it's quite obvious, that when a person suffers pain, it, it breaks the ego, it breaks the person's arrogance and his mode of re- rebellion, and it brings him to do tshuva. But where does the bracha play a role in doing tshuva? Chapter 2, Vahabir, and here's the explanation. The parashah in this parashah explains, explains, as we mentioned above, that the feeling of pain that comes through the curse is what will wake up the person, will arouse the person to do tshuva, to return to Hashem. And like the passage c- uh, concludes, not just any tshuva, but, lis chuva nailis kazu, to such an elevated level of chuva, shehi that it, that, that this chuva is, quote, with your whole heart and with your whole soul. Vahasehul ha The Bible says, basic common rationale dictates, she keshem she a chuva he be oifen nailis just like the chuva is such a high elevated level, achechaderes to yuk pnimis levavi vnavshe, to the, to, to the point, that it actually permeates his entire heart and soul, therefore also the cause for the tshuva is also one that is a very, very deep cause. In other words, it's not just a curse, but it's a curse that really, really affects the person on a very deep level the feeling of pain of the curse the what does this mean that also what does this mean that the feeling of the pain is in a matter that really hurts the most so much even more than than, than the norm it doesn't matter what kind of curse but it's such a curse that it hits the person in the deepest spot. And this is where the Pasuk explains exactly how this will happen. If the Eden do not follow in the ways Hashem. And that's where the Pasuk comes to say, The Rebbe stresses the word call. When all of this, in other words, not just the curse will come upon you, but the Torah is telling you when the curse comes, it's going to be a package it's like a package deal a negative one of first the blessings and then the curses what is the idea here what is the sense that all the curses they will only come after all the blessings after all the details of the blessings come upon you then will come the curse and the nature of a person, that when something bad comes on a person, when something bad befalls on a person, after they've experienced the good, after they've experienced the comfort of the blessing, then it has a much, much greater impact. And you kind of feel it, you know, you miss the good on an even greater level. Both in quantity and quality, and the Rebbe brings an example, an obvious example, and it's known a rich person who has his fortune turned became you know the galgal that wheel that turns his fortune. Unfortunately, he 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 met misfortune and he becomes poor then his pain is much greater, many times greater than one who was always poor, one who was accustomed to it. And by the way, this also has a ramification in Hilchah Mikra Says the Rebbe, in addition to the fact that this is Bepashtus, this is obvious, this is something that is self-understood, even to a Bencham Mikra, he rashi so the Rebbe says that this also can be understood from an explicit Rashi in a previous Parsha. And the Rebbe goes in to explain as follows. The Rebbe, I'm going to say this orally, the, Rebbe, the rest of this chapter. The Rebbe says, the Rashi says on the Pasuk, when the Pasuk tells us about giving tzedakah, about helping the poor person, the Parsha says that you have to give him sufficient for his deficiency. And what does Rashi say? He says Rashi, you have to give him day machzeda. You have to give him sufficient for him, but you're not in any way commanded to make him rich. Asher that he is missing. The Toshtoyda says that he is uh, deficient in. What does it mean? He's missing. He's deficient in. Says Rashi, and he quotes from the Gemara. Even quote a horse to ride on and a servant to run ahead of him to clear the way, to clear the path which is obviously something which is superfluous, a regular ordinary person doesn't need. And here comes the question, and this is where the Rebbe builds the logic. If we're not commanded, we're not obligated in terms of fulfilling a mitzvah of tzedakah to make him rich, quote-unquote, then why should we be obligated to give him a, a horse to ride on And and a servant to run ahead of him, which are not things that are necessary for one's basic needs or for one to earn a living. You know, if you say you have to give him proper tools so he can get back on his feet, give him give him give him means so he can sustain himself. Okay, I understand. But you're talking about something which is a luxury for most people. So how come the mitzvah of tzedakah and the Torah obligates us, as Rashi explains, to provide it for this person? Ah. Because he was once used to it. He was accustomed to it. In his heyday, when he was rich, when he had the means, this was the norm for him. This was his common you know, expectations that this is what he had. He can afford it. Now that he fell a misfortune, he no longer has it if you want to properly fulfill the mitzvah of tzedakah. Because for him this is a necessity, even though for most people it's a luxury, you have to provide it for him. And from all this you can understand that also according to Pshutisha Mikra, not only according to, to, to Hashkafa, to to, to, to to uh you know drash, but according to Pshutisha Mikra, if somebody was once rich, somebody tasted a good life, somebody had an abundance of blessing, and suddenly that was taken away from him that has such a deep impact that it affects him to the depth of his heart and his soul. And therefore, first the bracha, then the klala, that is what is going to trigger such a deep level of tshuva. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying. We're in chapter 3 now. But according to this, we need to understand what needs, to, what needs to be understood. The, the, what is the pastor trying to tell us? What is Hashem telling us here? That Hashem is going to make it so that every single year is going to come to tshuva. That's what Meshavet is saying, that these things will come on you sooner or later, it's going to happen, and every single year will come to tshuva. The question is, if that's the case, How could you be so sure? Or how is Moshe saying that every single year will surely come to tshuva when the curses fall upon him? Maybe this is a yid that never had a bracha. Maybe this is a yid that perhaps did not taste a good life yet. We just made the point that why is bracha and klala playing a role in the trigger and becoming the catalyst for the person's tshuva because first the blessing and then the curse, then in that case, the curse is so much more impactive. But who says he had blessings? Who says every single yid had blessings? It says the Rebbe, if we go back to Parshish Re'eh, and we read the words carefully, we'll see that every single yid has blessings. How so? Over there it says, Re'eh noisin ayoyin Hashem says, see, I give before you today blessings and curses. And then he says, the blessing, asher Tishmu." The blessing is that you will listen. And now she explains, what does it mean, asher? Asher can have different meanings. He explains that it means al-menas. Uh, it's like saying, I'm giving you the blessing on condition that you listen to Hashem. And then he continues and he says, the ha- v- Im The curses will come if you don't listen. And the Rebbe says, here is the distinction. In just plainly reading the psukom, we may not pay attention to it. But if you look at the, the change, it's not just a slight nuance. It's a, it's a fundamental difference. To say to someone, I'm giving you the blessing on condition you do it means I'm first giving you the blessing, but I'm giving it to you on condition that you do such and such. The curse is going to come, however, only if you do not listen. In other words... The blessing doesn't have to be preempted by anything. Hashem gives us the blessing. And this is telling us that Hashem gives the blessing to each and every yid, with an expectation that He wants us to follow the Torah and Mitzvahs. However, when do the curses come? Chas v'sholem. Only if it is preempted, it's prefaced by not following Hashem's ways. And according to this, it comes out, says the Rebbe, that there is absolutely no yid that did not receive blessing. Even somebody who sinned, even somebody who has v'shalom is at a point that Hashem has, so to speak, no choice and needs to pour curses on him in order to bring him back home, that he'd certainly experience brachas. Unfortunately, he didn't keep to his part of the deal. He did not use the blessings for the condition that it was given him for, but certainly it was given to him. And therefore, it comes out that what our parasha is saying is very practical. And is actually something that happens. And that will happen. That's what Moshe says. If you do not follow in Hashem's ways, chas then what's going to happen? The curses will come. But remember that these curses are already preempted by the blessings. And therefore, it's going to be such a great curse. So deep. It's going to have such an impact. So crushing that it's going to certainly bring each and every Yid to do a complete Shuvah on the highest level, namely, the with your whole heart and your whole soul. It says the Rebbe, that this is something that we see, we see an extraordinary thing. Meaning, especially, as we're approaching Rosh Hashanah, the Rebbe doesn't, Clearly mentioned, explicitly mentioned here, but we know that Nitzavim is always read before Rosh Hashanah. It's a preparation for Rosh Hashanah. So he's saying Hashem promises to give, and the Rebbe stresses the word to each, to each and every single year the blessings. It's just with one stipulation, on condition that you would do what Hashem wants. And what is the reason for this? Because every single year is considered to be a prince, b'nei melachim. This is inferred in the, in, in, in Halacha, in, in Gemara Shabbos. And the Mishnah there, it says that, uh, you know, the princes can, can wear certain ornaments and it's considered a garment for them. They can wear it on Shabbos. It's not considered carrying. And the what it says, who are these princes? And the what it says, the Yid, never Yid, it's a prince. And for, moreover, in, 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 in Mishnah Brachas, where it says over there that, uh, till where we say Shema, and it says, you say Shema until the third hour in the day. Why? she was said, because that's the time that kings get up. The truth is there are two different Gersois, two different versions, whether princes or kings. But over there, the way the Gemara has it in our Shas, it says kings. Who are these kings? For one or two kings, we're going to make a whole change in Halacha? No, it's referring to each and every year. We're, mamleches we're a whole nation of kings. And there, and also the Rebbe brings even another halacha, which we find in Gemara Bava that if one has hires workers and doesn't clearly stipulate with them what he's going to provide them for lunch or dinner, whatever he has to do. In those days, it was common that when you had an employee, you also provided their their meals. If he doesn't clearly stipulate with them, it meaning, meaning he just leaves it hanging. He just you know just goes by the norm. Then no matter what he serves them, an expression there is even Kisuda shleima even like the meals of shleima, the feasts of shleima, in his day, in his heyday, it's also not enough. Why? Because these are kings. These are these are these are children of kings. They deserve more than anything you can ever give them, and therefore you've never fulfilled your full obligation, and therefore you have to stipulate, says the rebbe, and. It's certain, as we approach Rosh Hashanah, it's certain that each and every yid will certainly fulfill the condition on which the blessings are given to us. However, here comes the question. If each and every single yid is going to fulfill the conditions, and therefore we're never going to have to receive the curses because Hashem doesn't need to resort to the curses, because we are fulfilling the condition, how will we ever come to a point of doing that ultimate level of tshuva, The whole purpose is to reach such a high level of tshuva, the ultimate tshuva, says the Rebbe, that there is another idea of tshuva, an even greater one. Not tshuva on sins, but rather tshuva on returning oneself, like it says, to return the spirit, to return the soul to its rightful place, that's a higher level. It's called Shuva ila a higher level of Shuvah. And that is done through simcha, not through being crushed and not through through bitterness and not through depression and not through sadness. This is a simcha, it's a great joy of coming home, of coming higher to a ho- home, to a higher level of godliness. And says the Rebbe, Especially this year, and it happens to be that this year, as we're learning the Sikha, it is the same Kviyas as that year. This year, when it falls out on Shabbos, Shabbos itself, the letters of Shabbos is oisiyas tashuv, to return. That is already a higher level of returning, but what kind of returning is it? A returning that's done with menuchas and with peacefulness, with calmness, with rest. without any worries, without any connection even to the gashmias, into the negativity, into things that are perhaps can be chas an opposite or a detriment to kedusha. And that is the conclusion of the sicha that the blessing is what we certainly all get. And we need to make sure that that's where it stops.